Congratulations, you've made it to the See It To Be It podcast, formerly On The Spot, where we sit down with some of the most inspiring female leaders and role models. And today, we're featuring Aliza Kelly. It's an inspiring conversation today and every Thursday. So be sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode of See It To Be It, available every Thursday on your favorite podcast streaming services. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the See It To Be It podcast. I'm your host, Melinda Garvey. I'm the founder of On The Dot. And of course, if you all have been listening, you know it is our mission to bring you incredible female relatable role models. And I think it's just so helpful to see the path that others have walked, and hopefully that will help you see your path and where you're going. And today is no exception. We have another wonderful woman who is an astrologer, so that will be super fun, and also an entrepreneur, and it is Aliza Kelly. So welcome, Aliza. We're so happy to have you on the show. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. I always like to start by going way back, and of course, you don't have to go too far back because you are a young woman. When you were growing up, you know, what was your big dream when you were a young girl and what did you think you'd be doing? Well, I think that I was very frustrated when I was younger because I knew I wanted to make something important. I knew that I wanted to build something from the ground up, but I didn't know what it was because it doesn't feel necessarily, or at least when I was growing up, it didn't feel like there were limitless options of what I would be able to achieve. I knew I was a creative person and I knew that I liked building things. So between the two of those, I was wondering, should I be in entertainment somehow? Should I work as an artist? Then I went to college and I studied art history as well as art. And I was like, okay, I'm going to be an art dealer. I'm going to create a gallery. I'm going to sell other people's artwork. But that didn't quite make sense either. That didn't really fit. And I think I spent a lot of time through my childhood, adolescence, and even into my early 20s, sort of just not really quite feeling like I knew where and what I should be doing other than that I really wanted to be doing something very important and something very big. And if I was doing something that felt too small, it was hard for me to stay focused and I felt like I was wasting my time. So I didn't know that one could be a professional astrologer. And I also don't think that when I was younger, that would have seemed evocative to me. I wouldn't have known how you could actually make a living doing that. So it's interesting. I mean, life is such a journey. It's such a whirlwind how one choice takes you to the next. What brought you into astrology? What was that first entree for you? Well, I first started working in astrology in very early 2014 when a friend of mine from college and we were living in Los Angeles. We were really young in our early 20s, just graduated from college. I was working as an art dealer. I was very disillusioned. I was very single. I was very cranky about that. She was sort of feeling similar things in her own world. And we were like, wouldn't it be great if there was just like an astrology dating app so that we could be matched with the right kinds of people and we wouldn't be wasting our time. And because both of us were ambitious Leos who did not know what it actually was going to take to build 
a technology app when neither of us were technology people. <laughs> we slowly started to pitch our idea and we raised enough seed money from, at that point it was from the clients that I was working with in the art world on my end. And we were able to launch this astrology dating app back in 2014, which was not that long ago, but so much has changed in these years in how astrology has become so pervasive, so ubiquitous. I would like to think the work that we did five years ago is part of the reason that astrology is so in the zeitgeist now. But that business didn't last. We weren't able to sustain it financially because astrology was not where it is now. So I ran out of money completely. I was living in LA. I moved back to New York, which is where I'm from. And I again found myself completely having no idea what I was going to do. I had to basically backpedal my whole life and take a job as an assistant at a finance company here because I had accrued so much debt that I didn't even know where to begin and how to start moving myself out of it. But all the while, I still loved astrology. Even after my business in astrology had failed, I couldn't get enough of it. So I continued to study and I continued to immerse myself in it. And it was the only thing that was really bringing me joy. And then slowly but surely, the world started catching up with where we were. And I started to be asked to do more things related to astrology because I had already established a precedent and I established a reputation within that space. So as all of these publications started to want to incorporate more astrology content, incorporate horoscopes, people started to really want their chart read. And I would say that the 2016 election was that pivotal shift in the culture. But because I had been there previously, I was there to be asked to step into those roles. That is how it all really started. And I was able to eventually be an astrologer full time. Wow, that's amazing. Well, and of course, you were fairly recently featured in Fast Company and, you know, talking about astrology and particularly in the workplace, because I guess that when you talk about things being adopted, once things get adopted into the workplace, especially in corporate America, you know, it's really adopted because, you know, this is something that's out there. So I'd love for you to, you know, talk a little bit about that and what astrology is like in the workplace, what kind of work that you do. I definitely think that, you know, there's a greater understanding of the fact that astrology is not the same as me as an astrologer walking into a space and trying to like exercise it of ghosts or connect with somebody's like, you know, great aunt who passed away in 1996. Astrology is a practice in self-awareness. It's a practice in recognizing one's strengths and weaknesses, embracing them wholly and fully and allowing us to be these 360 degree people. You know, on a corporate level, Myers-Briggs, which is a personality test, is corporate astrology. It's watered down Jungian archetypes that the Jungian archetypes are the same that exist within the Zodiac. So the idea of understanding that I, you know, one might, you know, have these types of work habits, but then they'll feel these ways, they get motivated by these types of things. All of that is the structure of any personality test that has since developed since astrology, but now the way that we practice astrology is very psychological. So we do embed a lot of that self-awareness and self-assessment in looking at one's natal chart and understanding their astrology and compatibility. It's not fatalistic or intimidating, or it doesn't even really need to be predictive if you don't want it to be. It really can just be this wonderful sort of mirror to how one exists and moves through the world. 
Do you have any examples of, you know, how you've seen astrology particularly help empower women in the workplace? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's such a beautiful question because there's so many different ways to approach it. You know, one, I think that the reason that astrology is so pervasive right now is because women are being treated with the same sort of respect that we have been sort of asking for people to treat us with for generations and generations. You know, horoscopes have always been considered a women's interest Mm -hmm. topic. And until recently, women's interest things were not given the same amount of credence and legitimacy as men's topics and men's things. So in the past, I would say three years, astrology has moved from just being like the tiny page in the back of the magazine into what Cosmopolitan, where I work, is doing, which is, you know, 10 page spread of the magazine is dedicated to astrology because women like it. And Cosmo is a women's magazine. And it's always been something that we've cared about, but it's now something that we're actually, the culture is reflecting and giving us back because more women are coming into positions of power. The new editor of Chiefs of Cosmopolitan is a millennial woman who recognizes that this is important to us. So in that vein, astrology can be used as a tool of empowerment just because we now can actually have the conversations about astrology in a way that doesn't feel stigmatized or we feel embarrassed about it in the way that we used to in the past. And then on a more practical level, astrology sheds such invaluable insight into how somebody can take on projects, what their role would be within a group, they like working independently, if they like if they're more of a collaborative person. So, you know, through looking at someone's chart, we can deduce all of that information and we can really come up with almost like a custom tailored success plan. Very interesting. As a female entrepreneur that you are, where do you look for mentorship and guidance? I mean, obviously, you know, you have your own astrology, but in terms of just like where in the world do you find where you can get that mentorship and that motivation? I love that question also. I love reading people's biographies because my path is so non-traditional. The way that I have sort of cobbled together what I imagine a 5, 10, 20 year plan for myself to be is really inspired by people, women in industries across the board. You know, so I think that, you know, like Lucille Ball for me is a fellow Leo and she is one of my biggest role models. She is a huge icon to me and the way that she trailblazed, the way that she innovated the entertainment industry. I've studied her biography. I continue to think and look at the way that she would really just challenge the convention of what the norm was in her time and place. And then I also, of course, look to women like Oprah, right, who are just powerhouses and just have longevity and have spanned so many generations and appeal to so many different people and have such a wide reach and influence, which is ultimately an influence that is based on people embracing self and being kind and being compassionate. I often think about, you know, how can you build a very sustainable business built on quality ethics? and making the world a better place while still being able to be a for-profit venture. I look to examples in, in lots of different industries to try to sort of piece together what that could look like in my reality. 
I think it's such a great way to describe that. And I find that often when I talk to women, they think, oh, well, gosh, when I'm looking for a role model, I need somebody who's done exactly what I've done so I can really see how they got there. And what we're really a proponent of, and the reason why we do what we do at On The Dot, is because I really believe that there are these stepping stones that everybody has. And you may only pick one stone from someone's story. They go, oh, wait a minute, there's this one thing. And then you put that stone on your path. And then you listen to all these stories. And finally, before you know it, you have your own beautiful path that looks different from everybody else's, but that really has been made up of the experiences and the inspiration of others. Yes, I completely agree with that. I mean, there is definitely commonalities. You know, there's there's always going to be commonalities in success stories. They'll often have times of failure, right? That's also part of someone's success story as well, is the times when things weren't working out. And I would say that ultimately it's the perseverance. It's the ability to be adaptable, to transform, to fearlessly move into situations that don't have a solution. The past couple of weeks I've been dealing with some personal issues. Let's, I mean, issues is sort of a euphemism. I've had to deal with illness with my mom and grandma and I'm my mom's only daughter and it's a tiny, tiny family. So a lot of personal weight has fallen on my shoulders. And I've been very cognizant of what does it really mean to be a one woman show at this moment? You know, it's like, how do you keep everything up and running when everything is fine in one's personal life? Sure, business as usual. But if things require extra time or love or energy and you're the sole person who is driving your business forward, then, you know, those things could really take an effect on your success, right? So right now, because I'm encountering that, I'm thinking, okay, how can I use this information to continue to scale my business so that it will be sustainable, even if I need to step away and deal with personal things from time to time, which is life that happens. So I think that that adaptability and flexibility is such an important part. And then of course, you can look to other people's narratives and stories to say, how did they deal with something like that? Because that's a shared experience. That's not just me as an astrologer. That's me as an entrepreneur. Right. Just kind of circling back to the discussion on failure and it being a part of success, which which I think it is, and really having people understand that. And tell me a little bit, I know that you shared in the beginning that your business failed, your dating app failed. And tell us a little bit about just that and, and how you got through that. You know, how did you pick yourself back up and move on? And just like, what are some of the tools that you use to help push you through that? Yeah, I mean, the failure of Align was pretty catastrophic on a personal level because I put everything that I had into building that business for two years. Every dollar that I had, every moment, every piece of my identity, everything who I was was embedded in a business that ultimately failed and ceased to exist. And on one hand, it was so confusing to then learn how to sort of like reinvent myself after the thing that I thought that I was, was no longer. But then on the other hand, I also hit rock bottom, so to speak, like financially. I didn't have any money, but I had never really had any money. I didn't have a trust fund. I don't have a safety net. I don't have parents who have paid for anything. So on one hand, I kind of just was exactly where I had started. So that was kind of weird too, because it was like two years ago or three years, you know, before a line, I, you know, didn't know what I was going to do and I had no money. And then after a line, I didn't know what I was going to do and I had no money. It was sort of like, well, I guess I just have to keep moving forward. There's not really any other option. But I think that what listeners might find interesting and 
And what I have found really interesting about this journey is you don't know why things are happening in the moment that they are. That only can be revealed through time. And it was years later that I have started to understand why it was important for a line to not just exist, but to fail. And it's so that I can have conversations about being a woman working in astrology before astrology was something that was being monetized by VCs. And it was so that I could have a conversation about what it was like to be a young female entrepreneur going into these startup spaces and being queried on my data sets only to discover that it's big data that is influencing the political state of where we are, right? I knew at the time that there was something weird about the success of my company potentially being completely data-driven, but I didn't know why that was weird until all of these years later when all of this new information starts to come out. So I think that just trusting that things happen for a reason, but you may not know what that reason is for many years to come is also something that I feel very grateful to be able to offer people who are wherever they are in their process now, even if that means that they're in their rock bottom or in their, in their moment where things are not going as planned. Well, and speaking of moving forward, you have a new project called the Constellation Club. So I'd love for you just to tell us about that. So I started recently an online community called the Constellation Club. It is near and dear to my heart. We have over 250 members already. We just started it a few weeks ago, and it is a space where people can, it's basically a 24-7 chat room where people can go and drop in their birth chart, talk about self-care, talk about crystals, tarot, magic, paranormal experiences, anything that is within the realm of astrology and spirituality can live there and does live there. And we all support each other. We help each other for having a tough day. We celebrate each other's accomplishments and achievements. And I'm really excited to continue to grow the Constellation Club and to see what we can do when a community comes together that is truly there to support each other and in a non-judgmental way to learn and advocate for our own empowerment. Well, and I'm sure that it's going to create great things whatever it is that you're into or that you're passionate about, the critical thing is, is that the women need to come together and they need to find their tribe and support one another because that's the way that we're all going to get ahead. I think that's great that you've created a space for, you know, a group of women. I think that's awesome. Yes. It's very important for women to support each other because we don't even realize all the ways that we have been told to compete against each other and that there's not enough room for all of us. But the truth is, is that we are the ones who are defining what that is. We can make as much room as we want at the dinner table. That's right. (laughs) Absolutely. Okay. So any predictions for 2020? Come on, you got to give us a little something, a little nugget. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, 2020... What a time to be alive. I love reading, as I had said, I love reading biographies. I love looking at history. And astrologers since, you know, the 70s, modern astrologers have been talking about, and what will 2020 hold? There's all of these astrology books that end at 2020 because the astrology of 2020 is so unprecedented and so extraordinarily monumental that astrologers from 40 years ago were wondering what could what will it even mean when we have Saturn and Pluto and Jupiter all connected in Capricorn for the first time in 1500 years. We don't know because we haven't seen that cycle before. What we do know is that a lot of the astrology 
the most recent political events that sort of emulate what the astrology of 2020 looks like is actually in the 1500s during the Reformation. So that is the last time that we're going to have seen a lot of the planets in the signs that they're in. So it's big. I mean, the astrology of 2020 is extraordinary for next year, and it's exciting and scary. And there's a reason that so many of us are becoming more conscious and becoming more aware of the energy of this spiritual, non-physical world. And a lot of it is because the energy as we're building up to 2020 is becoming more and more intense. So that's, you know, everything, there are no coincidences. So the interest in astrology is no coincidence that 2020 is right around the corner. Is no coincidence that it's the first time we're feeling these things in 1500 years, you know? Well, fascinating. We'll have to have you back halfway through next year and get an update on what's going on. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that we will have more information about what is going to, what 2020 is going to look like by December 2019. We will keep an eye out for it, that's for sure. And I guess that's like next month, so. I know, isn't it crazy? It was summer and then all of a sudden it's almost Thanksgiving. I'm like, what is happening? Yeah, that's why. Oh my gosh. Super, super fascinating. So we'd like to kind of close just by getting to know just a little bit about you. We, we do a little quick speed round here. So you can just give me short, quick answers. So what does your morning routine look like? The first thing I do when I wake up is I roll over and I look at my calendar, which I had done the night before, right before I went to sleep. But I am so OCD about my calendar and making sure that I know what is happening. So that is the very first thing I do when I open my eyes is just sort of get a sense of what is going to happen in the day ahead. And then it's Lucy time. My dog then occupies part two of my morning routine. So depending on whether I'm going to go straight into readings or I'm doing interviews or I'm writing or I'm taking phone calls for prospective projects. Lucy, of course, needs to be fed and taken for a walk. So, <laughs> so that always has to come before anything. <laughs> I hear you. So what are you currently reading or listening to? So I know you said you're a big reader. What's on yourself? Oh my gosh, I'm grateful that we're not going to be using video for this. But if you were to use video for this, you would see that I my bookshelf is actually color coordinated. <laughs> and I am an avid book collector. I am right now between books. I just had finished another read of The Luminaries by Liz Green, which is an astrology book. And as I'm looking at my books right now, I'm seeing what I have coming up next. I am excited to read this book called Initiated, which is a book written by, let me see if I, I want to just make sure I get this author's name correct, Amanda Yates Garcia, which is one of these contemporary witchcraft books on sort of stepping into one's power and what it means to be coming into their own magical identity of self. And what's one thing you can't live without? Breath. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. Mine's wine, but breath is right there up with it. <laughs> and what's one piece of advice you would give your 10 years ago self? 10 years ago, hmm, I would say, well, actually, you know, interestingly, 10 years ago, I was probably the most like who I am now than I was eight years ago or even 12 years ago. 2009, I was traveling a lot and I was like just trusting the moment. So I would say keep doing that. But then I would say probably overarchingly, in order to be an extraordinary person, you're not going to be able to live a normal life. And that is something that I grappled with for a very long time. 
I want things to be magical and special, but that in and of itself is a compromise. It's a compromise to create your own landscape of society of what your reality looks like because that means that you're inventing it. And if you're inventing it, it means that you are accountable to make sure that it's what you want all the time, you know? <laughs> but at the end of the day, it's something that I would never trade. It is breath for me, is being able to live life by my own standards and in ways that I feel are reflective of my interests and my creativity and my desires. But it also means that I'm always on. <laughs> I hear you. Like fellow Leo here. I got it. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. So um, tell everyone where they can find you and find out more about your Constellation Club, especially. Yeah. So I am on all the social media, A-L-I-Z-A-K-E-L-L-Y, Eliza Kelly, everywhere. There's information across all of the different platforms on the Constellation Club, but I'm building it on Patreon. So you can go to patreon.com slash Eliza Kelly, if you'd like to join. I also have my own podcast called Stars Like Us, a weekly podcast. So I would definitely encourage people who are interested in this topic to check that out too. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing so openly. I really appreciate it. And I know that our listeners really got a lot out of it. So really appreciate it. And I'm definitely checking back in with you in 2020. So oh, I will look forward to it. <laughs> we'll keep in touch for sure. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful evening. Thanks for listening to the See It To Be It podcast. For more female empowerment, inspiration, and advice, subscribe to our free weekly newsletter featuring a new woman to watch each week and check out over a thousand more featured women at onthedotwoman.com. Know someone we need to feature? Reach out at onthedotwoman on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.